Northwest Arkansas. It's Zach here with another episode of Hey Hey NWA. Uh, Today's episode is going to work a little bit differently uh, than what we normally do. Normally Peyton and I talk on the front end and then on the back end have a conversation about the interview um, as well as our segment Ozark Superstitions that I do each week. Um, This episode is going to work a little bit different. We recorded the entirety of the episode with our friends Christina and Amos Blackwood. Um, They are artists in the area, um, and they work for this incredible wallpaper manufacturing company, which sounds really strange uh, when I say it out loud, Um, but they do this beautiful, beautiful uh, wallpaper work. Uh, Really worth checking out. Um, they're at assembledarts.com. It's really neat stuff. Go check out their work. Uh, Christina is also a ceramicist, and Peyton loves her work. Um, so go check out their work. The reason we don't have Ozark Superstition at the end of the episode this week is because Amos actually talked a lot about Ozark Superstition that he is familiar with having grown up in the Ozarks. Uh, so be looking out for that at the end of the episode. We tackle a couple different things. It's really good stuff um, and stuff that I didn't know nor is covered in Vance Randolph's book. So, oh, and also, friends, I love you. Um, last week I said something very dumb during Ozark Superstitions. I said that Van Halen sang Stairway to Heaven, and I know that it's Led Zeppelin, I constantly talk out of my butt on this show, um, and that was evidence of that. So I'm sorry. I apologize to all of you. Uh, My deepest, deepest, um, sincere apology goes out um, for that. So anyway, now that we have that taken care of, we can move on to the episode, um, and you can stop sending me your mean, mean tweets. Just kidding. Uh, no mean tweets were sent because I don't have a Twitter, so get at me, but you can't. Anyway, so enjoy the episode, y'all, um, and we will see you on Thursday with another local lowdown. Um, yeah, enjoy Christina and Amos, and have a good week, y'all. Hey, friends, welcome back to another episode of Hey Hey NWA. We are sitting in the home of Christina and Amos Blackwood. Uh, They are artists and makers that live in Fayetteville. They do a lot of different stuff, uh, and we're going to sit and talk with them. Peyton Peyton has talked about uh, Christina at length on this podcast. Um, I don't know if she knows that or not. She probably hasn't heard it. Yeah, Um, I did. Oh, okay, good. (laughs) Um, But Peyton owns several of Christina's ceramic pieces. Um, mm. and should I be so fortunate, I would have wallpaper in my house that Amos made, um, <laughs> but I don't have those deep pockets. Um, so we're going to get all into that, uh, here. So, uh, Christina, Amos, would you like to introduce yourselves? Uh, I'm Amos Blackwood. I'm Christina Blackwood. 
if it makes you feel any better, I don't have any of that fancy, <laughs> fancy wallpaper in my home either. So. We don't need pockets either. Well, would you guys like to talk about uh, some of the work you do? Just introduce uh, people who may not know you to the sorts of work that you guys do. Go ahead. I've spoken already. Uh, <clears throat> I work for a company called Assemblage. Um, we make handmade wallpaper. And a lot of times when you hear the word wallpaper, you think of printed floral patterns or maybe something your grandmother had up in the house. Um, <laughs> our wallpaper is not like anything that you've probably ever seen before. It's uh, Our main substrate is Venetian plaster and supplied with blades, brushes, and trowels primarily. We do some stencil work, which makes it 3D plaster or relief plaster. Um, and most of our finishes come from each layer having a reaction with the layer before or after it. So our finishes are very loud. Some of them are very subtle and some of them are very loud. Some of our, we use natural materials such as mica and metal powders. So we actually have chemical reactions that happen on the paper with our metal powders, like with our paints that we make, um, where we'll put brown, bronze powder suspended in acrylic medium. And when we apply it, it actually patinas instantly. So you go from having a like a bronzy color to a green vertigrade color right like immediately as you put it down, hmm. um, which is beautiful, but it also is time-consuming and expensive to create. So Many layers. Many layers. Some of our wallpapers, uh, our earliest wallpapers had as many as 28 or 29 layers. Jeez. Um, and we make everything on a nine-yard table which means you have to move it from a nine yard table. And that's two people on each end of the paper, holding it tight and moving it onto the shelf. If you bump that in any, if you bump the paper, moving it onto the shelf in any one of those 29 layers, it ruins the finish. Our paper is a 80% recycled cellulose fiber backed paper that has a memory. So if it's creased, that crease stays there forever. Okay. So if you crease it in like layer 28, it never comes out. So that means you have to remake all 27 layers to get back to that. Jesus. Um, Hence, this is high quality and not your grandmother's wallpaper. Yeah. Quite literally. Not yeah. Floral. <laughs> um, any of that business. Yeah. I mean, we're, um, we're represented internationally, um, several countries. Yep. Uh, right now, we're just currently breaking into the Hong Kong Singapore. market, Singapore. Also, you guys caught us at a kind of a beautiful moment where I'm just out of my non-compete disclosure contract, oh. and I'm about to sign another non-compete disclosure contract, which means that if you guys had come to us in a couple of weeks, I really couldn't talk to you guys at all about this. So, mm. <clears throat> Okay. So, so lucky, we're lucky. The- <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Um, yeah. Cool. So can you, I'm just curious about this process. Can you roll that wallpaper or how do you shoot it? That's how it's, it is all rolled, hand cut and rolled. Um, When a client, typically we have standard finishes. And when a client comes to us or an interior designer comes to us, sometimes they'll send us a sample of wood, like Tiffany & Co. When 2012, we did 32 Tiffany & Co. stores. We did the flagship store in Manhattan. Yes. No. (laughs) Um, Yes. So yes. Tiffany, the designer that was working with Tiffany, they started as a handmade company. They handmade 
stained glass. And so they mm-hmm. wanted to get back to that handmade tradition made in America. And so they sought out craftsmen. The Renaissance. The Renaissance. And so they came to our company. We sent them some samples and we got the contract. So uh, when we did the Bellagio for Tiffany, they sent us samples of their display case, the wood in the display cases. And then they wanted us to make five custom colors that would match the wood or go well with the wood. And so there's just constant back and forth and back and forth. And it can take years for a project to even get started. There are samples that we were making in 2011 that are now in production that that just got that just got holy cow so Mm -hmm. you know like whenever an interior designer comes to us some of these buildings haven't even been built jeez and they're talking about what's going to go on and uh you know some like when a major hotel picks us like Saks um wants us to do it we do one wall in every suite so you know it's like it'll just be one it's not a lot of wall it's a lot of wallpaper for us Uh but You know, when you think about it, it's just like a feature wall is most commonly. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's bananas. The yeah. bona fides coming out of Podunk, Arkansas blows oh, me away man. sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to hear how all of this even got started in the first place and how all of these incredibly luxurious brands mm-hmm. found a place in Arkansas. And well, so, our, so our origin story <clears throat> is I have a, my sister, Heidi Blackwood. And my brother-in-law, Christian Bateau, and it's actually now Heidi Bateau. Um, my sister grew up here. She was the one that was born in the t- born in a teepee. She. No one's heard that story yet. Yeah, oh, here. Yeah, so. Okay. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> that's a spoiler so for the future. She, yeah. So she she grows up grows up in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, just incredibly talented. Mm-hmm. She is always been an inspiration to me. I can't stress how incredible of a person she is. And she could not wait to get out of Arkansas. And I don't blame her. We're, you know, Huntsville High School, small town. Everybody knows everybody. And, you know, like, she wanted to be an artist. And everybody was like, well, you're not going to make any money with that. And so <clears throat> she, on her own, um, filled out all the applications for school, got accepted to Kansas City Art Institute, and went to Kansas City Art Institute and got a degree in fiber. And while she was there, she met her husband, um, and he was going to school to be a sculptor. They were in Spain. They were in Spain. That's when they, they got met together. In Europe. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and they both finished, and then they went to New York together. And they moved to New York, and Christian started the wallpaper company there. Because when you're in New York, you can just go down, you can go meet with all of these incredible designers in a day. You know, you can just go from place to place to place. Um, <clears throat> Christian had been um, had done a lot of historical restoration for cathedrals and worked with these plasters and substrates. And so he would go into someone like the the Koch brothers and do their penthouse, but it would take him six to eight weeks to do some of these incredible finishes on the walls, you know. <clears throat> so he knew that there had to be a way to make this product off of the wall not to install it on the wall and if you're also if you're making the product on a flat surface you can do things with paint that you can't do on the wall right because the paint runs right <clears throat> so he started working with uh or t- started sourcing paper and trying to figure out where to get a paper that was strong enough for one that won't fall apart when you add the materials and different ways to apply the the plaster to the to the paper um finally he 
figured it out. And I think in 2004, they launched their first company and had a lot of success with it. Um, then my sister and him got more and more serious about getting married, um, maybe starting a family. And uh, to that extent, Heidi totally made me a liar because I was like, she'll never come back to Arkansas. She's uh -huh. gone. She's moved <laughs> to the big city. She's done. And in 2011, they came came back to Arkansas. And we were making wallpaper in their living room. Yeah. <laughs> they have a beautiful farm. In they do. Pettigrew. They have a 32-acre farm. Um, just beautiful. Little, they have a milk cow, and they had several sheep and goats and chickens. And um, now they have two kids. And we were able to expand from their living room to uh, what we have now is a 6,000-square-foot studio. And, you know, you just can't... <laughs> You can't produce that kind of um, or that amount of work and have that size of a space in New York. You yeah. just you can't. Yeah, mm -hmm. So you and know you can still <clears throat> ship things out all the same. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's going to China if it leaves from New York if it leaves from here. Um, FedEx is incredible. UPS. I mean, it's... yeah, and luckily there is a large culture of artists here of artisans yeah definitely and i think a part of, of it like, and... was you and heidi growing up in the country and if people needed something they had to build it and yeah. if they wanted to make money from that or something they had to work with their hands and it's it just it didn't seem like second nature it was just implemented it's, it's, it's who you were well, growing up in arkansas to earn a living you have to be willing to do whatever <clears throat> Or at least that's been my experience. I've worked, I've done contracting, I've done masonry, landscaping, I've done, a, I've dabbled in everything, carpentry. Um, and it's a matter of, I have lots of friends that have said at certain times that like, oh, I can't find work right now. And that's never been the case for me. It's just a matter of what you're willing to do, I think. And so everyone wants Amos to work for them. <laughs> having, having that, having that mentality or that mindset, it does, it makes it a lot easier. And so, um, that's why there's piles of stuff in our yard is because I'm, I can't throw it away because I'm like, Oh no, this, we have this stove it's one day we might need it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I get to, Oh, I can make something really cool out of that. But, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. you know. Someday. It's such an interesting point that working with your hands is something intrinsic to somebody who lives not in the city, I guess. Hmm. And do you think that gave, them a leg up and has given, I guess y'all a leg up on uh, what you're doing. Absolutely. <clears throat> uh, so my mom, the first person that I can remember running a chainsaw was my mother. Um, what a great know, image. I, mean, <laughs> I love it. Um, and she is remarkable. there's not any, like I grew up with this. I didn't understand the difference between male and female as a kid because, uh, there's some incredible, women in that community in Madison County that were all cutting wood and hauling water and just being woods people. I mean, mm -hmm. just like getting it done. And I can actually recall one time being with a, one of my friend's mothers, who's a ceramicist and there were five, five of us boys. And at this point, what's her name? Uh, Susie Siegel. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I can remember all being around her kitchen table and all of us boys being teenagers kind of being macho. And no. then she challenged us to arm wrestling. And she's <laughs> she's maybe five foot three. Mm -hmm. She's she's not a very big lady. 
And she slammed every single one of us on the table. I mean, it was, it was amazing. So, yeah, very cool, very cool. Yeah, I think it, it, there's also um, maybe barriers that people might have, you know, when they think about making stuff, and they want to use their hands so much they just don't know where to start. And I, my dad was a contractor, and mm-hmm. he built things my whole life, and. It was just never a thing that I thought about, you know, like, um, you, you, you find something and you build it. I remember nailing nails into wood before, I mean, it was such an early memory that I was probably three years old and yeah, I think I just associated making with making a living and now it is my plight and I don't know if it's a good one or not. That's I'm a, just kidding. I love it. That's a great transition. Will you talk to us about your work, Christina? What is it that you do? Um, well, I uh, went to school at the University of Arkansas, and I graduated last year with a BFA in ceramics. I was lucky enough to have taken almost every single ceramics class that was offered, and so I left with a wealth of, of edu- an education that I I don't think I could have gotten anywhere else. Mm. I was also in, I have a really great situation where I just met this really great man and um, he supported me through the whole entire thing. I, I had already started school and it was a struggle and I was a single mom, but like, I think it was like the first date. I was like, I want to be a potter. And he was like, okay, cool. And I was like, there's no objection. There's no question. He just knew that that was a thing that you could do. And I think there have been many moments of confirmation that I've been like, oh yeah, like this is who I'm supposed to be with. But even from the first second I saw him and I was like, look at his face. (laughs) (laughs) So let's, let's go back to that first moment that you saw him. Let's talk about that. What, what was happening there? Uh, <laughs> well, I have a, a best friend who grew up in Pettigrew on an organic farm out there and they're on, uh, she and I met when I first moved here and she's been an incredible source of help and, uh, friendship that I just couldn't even imagine. And she and her boyfriend at the time, uh, moved out to the country and he'd gotten a job at this wallpaper studio. And I was like, what are they talking about? I didn't even grasp on to like the complexity or the, how huge it was until, you know, we'd been dating for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And I, um, but she had convinced me to go out to the country to this like small gathering of people and I was I was pretty reluctant because it was an hour away and um I went and I we came upon the top of this hill and there was a 60 foot bonfire and I was like where did you bring me to I think (laughs) how many people were there like 200 there were about 250 people (laughs) so many people and she's like no you'll really you'll love like this guy's mom is so awesome and you'll love their house like 
Currently, Amos's mother lives in a home that her mom designed, who was an architect. And it, like from an aerial view, it's in the shape of a dogwood flower. And like it has passive solar windows and they're beautiful. And, you know, it was one of the selling points for me coming out there. I was like, I want to see this house. But um, I was just walking around and I walked in this bus because there are three uh, on the property. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds so normal. Yeah. <laughs> and like there were people in the bus and I walked out of the bus and I stepped out and I saw, and I kept hearing about Amos like for months and I was like, who is this person? Um, apparently he leaves an impression and he did. And I saw him and I was like, I hope that this feeling is mutual. So for the rest of the night, I kept like trying to talk to him and I couldn't cause I got too shy. <laughs> And we didn't talk, and we didn't talk for seven months. And then we were at a friend's birthday party, and he kind of avoided me because he was scared. Yeah, she's scared from Amos's perspective. (laughs) Let's switch now. Um, So, yeah, I was uh, the friend that she was talking about. I've actually known her for probably pretty close to 30 years. Audrey McCoy. Yeah, Audrey McCoy. Um, Her parents own Highlander Farm. And she's actually one of what we call the hippie kids from Madison County. We're okay. all from the, there's a large back to the land movement that happened in the seventies. And so there were a lot of these alternative people moving from the cities. My mom came from Detroit. Uh, I mean, she lived in Oregon before she came to Arkansas, but she grew up in Detroit. So you have these city dwellers that move to the country because they want a different way of life. They want to raise their kids and be close to the land and be off of the land so audrey christina's friend i'd known her for a very long time and i worked at the wallpaper studio with eric hilly and uh he's just an awesome guy mm-hmm. and we were like hey let's have this halloween party <laughs> burn down a barn <laughs> Tell yeah. what were you gonna dress up as uh we were the smokers from uh water world <laughs> so that was that was our whole get up there were you know um, the day actually getting ready for the party, the jeans that I was wearing blew out all the seam blew out, blew out the blew entire, out. my, my outside seam blew from my hip all the way down to my boot. And so I, how though, so, how though I was building the fire and just getting everything ready and he's you know, a mover and a shaker. Yeah. You know, he must have been moving and yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, I'm <laughs> sure we were probably throwing a Frisbee around at some point or like, <laughs> I mean, we might've even been fighting with Nerf bats. I mean, you know, it was, it was a party. And so I duct taped my jeans back together. And so that's actually, there's some pictures of that party and it's just, I'm wearing like duct taped that's pants. That's so good, <laughs> yeah. man. That's so good. So it went well with the costume. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Christina had come out with her friends, and they actually got there quite late. Um, I think at that point we had had four grills going all night with just chicken wings, hamburgers, tons of booze. I don't know, two or three kegs, and they all floated by like ten o'clock or something. Uh, just to, it was a it was a good gathering to yeah. say the least. Um, but I had seen Christina, and then she went down to the house, and then she came back, and it seemed like every time that we were trying to to talk to each other, there was just something else going on. Cause you know, when you're hosting that many people, there's always some kind of drama or something that's coming up over here. And also living that far outside of town, 
when 250 people show up at your house, you know that you're going to have to take the keys away from some people, you know, and like make sure people have a place to crash and, you know, everybody's all right. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I was too shy. Yeah. Do your keys take you. away? <laughs> I didn't drive. Thank goodness. I couldn't have. Um, but I did end up sleeping in your old bedroom. Yeah. Like, but I mean, not with anyone, just on just the floor. Chill, yeah. yeah. And then I woke up and like I went downstairs and I was like, am I in a palace? This is crazy. And uh, Amos's mother, Betty, and her um, boyfriend, Holly, uh, were making breakfast for everyone. And he's got, he's covered in tattoos and has like a huge white beard and like he's like a Papa Santa. <laughs> and I was like, I love this. Where am I? And like, it's so weird to be in moments and not know the gravity of the moment that you're in. And like, mm. be like, oh, I'm here. I'm going to be here for the rest of my life. Like, there's no way I would have been able to know that. And where we'd met, that's where we had our wedding. And like, it means it's a, it's a very special place. And I'm so glad that I feel very fortunate to be a part of it all and you know to be able to be a maker and have it fully supported by your community Mm. is something that i don't i i couldn't have planned it better when i moved here i'd never been here before and i was like i did all this research i had friends that lived here and i was like hey i'm going and people had no idea why and i was like i don't have to explain myself to you this is what i'm doing and it was the best decision I'd ever made, apart from my kids. But, <laughs> I mean, it was to their benefit as well. I just, oh, man, I think it's incredible how geography so much defines us. Like, yeah. And, like, the best of ways and the worst of ways, like mm-hmm. being Absolutely. born or living in an area. Oh, man, like, yeah. I grew up, up partially in a town called Vernal, Utah. And it's an oil-filled loving like big truck driving like what is art kind of place like there's Mm -hmm. a sect of people that are artists and like a few people that might be a little different but it was it was a very hard place to grow up in but luckily my parents whisked us away for quite a while we went to northern california and like um lived near napa and i got to experience all different kinds of people and um, many immigrants and many people that never wore shoes and <laughs> and it was it, i i think i obtained some kind of culture but uh, this is almost as like long as i've lived anywhere i've moved a lot well and i also think by that same uh flip of the coin as most of the back to the landers that came here in the 70s there was a large group of them that didn't make it they came they moved to the ozarks Mm-hmm. There There's were a lot of ticks, communes, yeah. Chiggers, you move out and you're like, all right, we're all going to be farmers and we're all going to garden. And then you, everybody gets out here and you're like, oh, this is way harder than we thought. Yeah. And one thing that I noticed are the people that not necessarily assimilated, but didn't treat the locals like dumb rednecks or dumb hillbillies that didn't know anything. The people that actually were like, oh, you've been canning vegetables your whole life. Can you teach me that? Yeah. Or, oh, running cattle is really hard can you teach me some things and then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. you have like these people that are coming from the cities who are totally liberal and they come here to a 
conservative Christian community, and their common ground is the way of life. Hmm. It's not necessarily their political views or their religious beliefs, but it's this also this like wholesome family value thing or yeah. this like way of life, you know? And so, you know, I, my, oftentimes whenever I'm on a crew with uh, the Masons that I work with, I'll hear my boss <clears throat> refer to me as the hippie kid that, or the kid that was raised by hippies, but went to school with all rednecks. And so it's redneck like, hippie. That was another you know? thing that Audrey said. She's like, you're going to meet so many redneck hippies. It's going to be crazy. And I was like, what are you talking about? Uh-huh. And little did I know I'd marry one. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and I, I find the term redneck can either, I either can find it very enduring or I can be really offended by it. It depends on who calls me redneck. <laughs> yeah. When my sister calls me a redneck, I'm like, oh, man, that kind of hurts my feelings. But if one of my redneck buddies calls me a redneck, I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I'm a redneck. <laughs> Part of the club. Yeah, exactly. Man, it's, oh, I, I just love that. I love hearing those stories, especially when you you can find, like, shared or common ground with people who are so much different than you, you know, like Mm -hmm. that back to the land movement. I mean, it just sounds like it's where things like even in our current, like political climate, we have like a really divisive thing going on. When you can have that Mm -hmm. conversation, that's when you start making progress Mm -hmm. is whenever you don't have those, like, or when you understand like, okay, you're pro gun and you're anti gun, like, if you just argue about it, you're never going to get anywhere. So then you have someone that's in the middle that maybe like my mom hates guns. She absolutely cannot stand them, but I grew up hunting and fishing. And so like, I understand the importance of like, if you're going to take an animal's life or if you're going to eat meat, it's really important for my children to know that that doesn't come from the supermarket. Meat doesn't come packaged. My kids have helped me butcher. My kids have, I've taken my kids hunting, but at the same time, like, they don't need an AR, you know? So it's like, it's like raising my, like my, our stepson is 12 years old. And for Christmas this year, I bought him a rifle, just a very simple break action rifle, Mm -hmm. single shot. And we use it to hunt, but it's, it's learning firearm safety and learning the importance of how to use a firearm. And then you can actually have that conversation. And so I find it amusing whenever I, somebody tries to get into a gun debate with me that's like super pro NRA or pro gun, and I'm not trying to offend anybody or, you know, if they're, I know that there's people out there that are very pro gun and I own several firearms, but at the same time, like I don't have any problem with the capacity magazine capacity law or a fixed magazine. I, you know, I don't think we should have bump stocks. Right. So but I can have that conversation with somebody that's pro gun because there's nothing that they're going to say to me about a firearm that I'm not going to be able to actually have that conversation with. Like, right. And at the same time, you're like very empathetic with that. Yeah. With that right. side, you're, you're relatable on both sides from both sides. Yeah. So I think that's important when you can find that common ground, then you can have those conversations and then you can make progress mm-hmm. because I think so many times people are coming from so far away from such opposite ends of the spectrums, they can't find any common ground or they can't have that conversation. And it's just one up after another, Mm -hmm. like, Ooh, point here, point here, point here. And it's like, well, we're not getting anywhere. Mm -mm. You know, that's it's lateral movement. We all want to be loved. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, yeah. Human. Like I, it's just funny how people can divide themselves up into groups. I don't, it's like such a fine line of like, 
finding hope Mm. and then being defeated. Like some days I'm like, yeah, you know, we can do this thing and we can be kind to each other. And then sometimes I'm like, I don't want to even look at my phone ever yeah, again. I don't like I don't, the news I just want to, like, it's so easy and it's at our grasp to like go move in the woods and live where people can never find us. Mm-hmm. That would be, that would be also fine to some degree, but I love people <laughs> too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, transition a little bit. We don't want to miss talking about you guys um, some more. You've mentioned your ceramics work. Uh, you mentioned graduating, getting your BFA oh, yeah. here. Okay. Go ahead and continue that story for us. Okay. Uh, well, I was um, mentored by a woman named Jeannie Hewlin, and she is the chair of the art department. And I felt really lucky because she's also a ceramic artist too. And just when I came in, like the ceramic department got a big grant, and we got lots of kilns, and um, I had access to like everything. I got to experiment. I like started with hand building and then I ended, you know, learning about uh, glaze and clay chemistry and like wanting to like dig up my own clay. And I actually dug up three different kinds of clay on land that we have access to in our own and um, took it to the soil science department at the U of A and they ran it through a machine and broke it down to the molecular structure so I could figure out what's in the clay and what I could use to uh, add or, uh, you know, or if I could make it into glaze. Um, I test fired all of them and like, you know, right now I'm at a place where you know, I'm perpetually finding balance and my kids and my husband come first before anything. And they're the reason why I'm like, okay, let's go. I mean, I love clay. I've been, I started throwing when I was 16 and I was like, okay, this is who I'm going to be. People were like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like a potter. And they were like, what is this? Like 1483? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no one does that. But I knew that it was a, uh, nothing made me more happy and I um I had mentioned that I moved around a lot and a part of that was like a childhood that was not full of turmoil but had um real moments of tragedy and uh like just went through some things that a lot of kids did have to go through and um I guess I was at a point in high school where I was like you know, I could have really gone off the deep end and like, I was living in Vernal, Utah. There's a lot of drugs, um, but I didn't do that. I dove into clay. I still partied and I still had fun, yeah. but um, I spent a lot of time at the wheel because it was so hard and I had a great teacher who didn't teach me how to do it. I loved her as a human, but she was just like, you just put it on the wheel and then you make a pot. And I was like, I have no idea how to do that. We didn't have... YouTube, you know, I was trying to read and apply that to my hands. And that's a really hard thing for me to do. And and I didn't have anyone to show me. You didn't um, have a ghost coming up behind you and holding no! your hands. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like uh, Kurt Russell. No, those Patrick, Patrick Swayze. Oh, Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze. I don't. He's a real ghost. Oh, now. my Lord. He's an actual ghost. Now. <laughs> 
I, I beckon him every time I throw. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm just kidding, babe. That's, I'm that's not cheating anything. That's why your work has gotten better. You're like. <laughs> it's gotten really white. Um, but I just, it, I, I, that's, it saved me. And uh, when I had Erilyn, my daughter, when I was 19, um, she did too. And I had just lost my brother and I had her the day after his funeral and she was born and they put her on my belly and she lifted up her head and she smiled. And I was like, oh, this is my new art is I'm going to be your mom. And since then, it's, she's just been that thing for me. And then I was like, you need a friend because I can't do all this on my own. So I had Uriah and... Uh, we came out here together and we were on this adventure together and I mean they're incredible in their own rights and I they inspire me to be a better person all the time and then you know I was lucky enough to find someone that you know felt the same and saw the same in them and he calls them his children and he loves them like they're his own and um we just raise them with them being the priority all the time. And so I want to throw all of the time, but I also find a lot of joy in stepping back and taking a breather. And before any crash show or anything, I was just busy, 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 throwing, throwing, throwing. But um, now we're you know, on several other projects. I also work at the Wallpaper Studio, and I've been there for almost a year. And... I do the other side of what Amos does and I'll be um, talking to, uh, communicating with the showrooms and the designers and um, like setting up jobs, uh, being that mediator and then the distributor and production manager basically. And um, I love it. I cut wallpaper all day long and i get these boxes together and then i get to send them to like saudi arabia and then we have another that you know like this lady in london needs these samples for this client and i'm like okay go and they come back with some money (laughs) they all need them yesterday too oh yeah it's such a rush and you know i get to work with my brother and sister-in-law who are like amazing they're amazing my family is amazing. Like I couldn't have like written down all of these things that I wanted for a family to love my children and I, and had a better description. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'll still be making, I just need a break. And then hopefully I'll be farming my own clay and making my own glazes. You know, I do that already, but those things are all from packages. I want to like break a rock yeah. And watch it melt. Yeah. And I just think it's the coolest thing to take some sloppy mud and then turn it into something so beautiful. And to throw on the wheel is a skill that you have to hone. And it's so hard. Mm-hmm. I still feel like I have so far to go. Yeah. I don't feel like I can sell my stuff. <laughs> 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 like, I just I need to like, well, okay, you can have that. And I'll, I'll charge you this much money. But like... It'll get better, and it always does. And that's yeah. the thing that I will never, ever, ever run out of things to do. And I'll be doing this until I die. 
like or until you're unable to bend over the wheel right. anymore. Yeah, it's I I will I'll lay in bed with clay on me and I'll I'll make stuff like. That seems like really bad posture technique for throwing on a wheel. Just put me in a bathtub of clay. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. I guess you can hand build laying down. You can. I I don't. I will figure out a way. In high school, I tried for a moment to learn how to throw with my feet just in case I had lost the use of my hands. Which, you know, like all the clicks and clacks now that I move my arms. And getting older, it's bound to happen. But you know, it happens to a lot of potters. But um, you know, it's it's unconquerable medium. And yeah. I mean, it there's a bazillion ways to make with a bazillion recipes. So uh-huh. it's just never going to end. So I mean, there are craft shows coming up and stuff that I'm going to step away from probably for a little while. I want to set up a studio. Um, for myself and kind of make a community space. I'd really love to teach people how to throw. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, when, uh, when um, veterans came back from war starting like around the world war one and mostly in world war two, but the government set up programs so that um, these vets can go and they learn a trade. And a lot of them that learned how to, use and manipulate clay like stuck with it but they uh, found that you could use it as a a way of therapy because mm-hmm. it's so tactile and you it, it's so moldable and you have this control to some degree and then also you don't throw in the know? kiln and it's it's ruined it's a whole nother thing <laughs> yeah, yeah like you never know that's also one of the blessings about being a potter is like you put it in the kiln have no idea uh-huh. at any moment it could ruin and you know potters are super easygoing people because they've had to let go of so much and like they love a piece and then it's just broken mm-hmm. and it's gone yeah and you can't make another one yeah. <laughs> let's i hearing you talk about all this stuff i'm like making connections in my brain and stuff i've read about your work mm-hmm. even before um there are a couple of elements that i'm hearing there's clay as it relates to a place like geography we talked about geography a second Mm -hmm. ago so this clay body that i'm using represents this geography you talked about on your website about having heirloom matriarchal like plates and dishes passed on to you Mm -hmm. and you're talking about family and how much family means to Mm -hmm. you and how this is your new work that you're doing in the world is being a mother um and then functionality and aesthetics are all like pieces and parts of this. Um, Do you have like those pieces in your mind when you think about your work or is, is this a, uh, is this just a happenstance that we've been talking about these things and I'm hearing you talk about it in -hmm. your work or I like everything's so woven together. And I, I've, I think a part of that is like, I feel deeply and I make the connections immediately and yeah I mean I can't separate them I can't separate me being a student from being a mother and I couldn't separate my your work um and my it was yet yeah, the matriarchy my family was a strong one and she my Oma um was from Germany and she passed away like 
shortly after I wrote that. Mm. And I went back to her house and I was looking. She saved all these dishes and she used to throw me tea parties. I There were moments I thought I was a princess growing up. <laughs> and she loved me deeply. And I looked in her china cabinet and there were all these white plates with like gold wrapped around the rim and like all these little gold lines on these white pieces and i was like oh that's why i do that thing i think that like it's subconsciously gotten in there yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i think (laughs) there's many times i'm like why do i do this Uh (laughs) i need to explain this behavior but that was one that made an immediate deep connection and um you know i i love making those white pieces with gold cuz it brings this kind of like air of like who she was into my work and she had such a hand in um making me who i was who i am and she taught me how to love children and i, I mean I really love mine. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think I can't separate any of it. And it, I think that makes it easier for me to be like, I'm not throwing for a while because I'm going to do this. It's not like, oh my God, I just, I really need to go like do this thing. I just refocus and I have to create that balance and or it just gets too much. I mean, school was really, really, really intense and it got really hard like working and like raising children and meeting a man and falling in love and um, then like having another job and buying a house and having a wedding and like it was, they're all interwoven. There's never been a moment in my life when I'm like, I'm just this one thing. (laughs) I'm, you know, it's probably like that for everyone, but yeah, sometimes it's hard to figure out what to do, but yeah, that's why I found a good partner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I need to, yeah, talk this through with me. And he just sits there and he listens because <laughs> he's awesome. I mean, sometimes she'll get really stressed out and I'll be like, hey, do you want to go for a drive? Oh, yeah. And then we'll just get in the car and we'll go drive and we'll be like, have you ever been down this road? Let's go down this road. Let's go look at houses over here. Let's go. I think anytime we're out, there's always a constant appreciation um, for just life and beauty, you know, mm-hmm. and it's being able to find things every day that are, that keep you feeling alive. I think being an artist, like I never thought of myself as an artist because I was like, I just play in clay. I'm, right. you know, I can't paint like Caravaggio, mm-hmm. you know, I thought that, but I I think every moment that we live reflects that. So it's just like whether I'm like staring at a tree or, you know, it does it like I'm washing the dishes. Like it's all everything that I do helps me become a better maker, mm-hmm. you know? And then there's like, sorry, Peyton, I just, while this is on my brain, sorry. This is it. I, uh, I think it's so great that both of you work in aesthetics, but like, it's function like yeah primarily that's 
for a lot of craftspeople, it's hard to see their work as art right. because it is primarily primarily functional mm. right. and secondarily aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think craftspeople get like the short end of the stick sometimes and like a conversation around. Well, that's just a part of that stupid debate of like art or craft. Like who cares? Right. Like make stuff that makes you happy. My Oma knit four billion slippers out of yarn she's not exaggerating i'm not even kidding so many slippers she she just knit and knit and knit and knit and that is how she showed people that she loved them i'm holding one of your cups in my hand right now and it's beautiful but i'm also drinking a beer out of it yeah (laughs) well uh, that's what i i love serving people and making them happy it's a downfall sometimes but well and it's to your point it's that life is very integrated that Mm -hmm. all of life and beauty and aesthetics and making this from the earth and being able to express yourself all of that is integrated and so i don't know i feel like your work is symbolic of that right yeah one thing and also i didn't speak about this earlier but christine is a potter and i'm a mason oh yeah so my my I have as much love for rocks as she does for clay. Hmm. And so I'm I'm a stonemason. That's my if I could hang my professional hat on anything, that's what it would be. Gotcha. One of the great things about the wallpaper studio is I go in and I spend all of this creativity or like I get to use all of this creativity and make a beautiful piece of art. And when I come home at the end of the day, I haven't used any of my creativity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for the last two years, I've been making a living being a mason because I, I, I'm really good at it, and I can make a, a really good living being a stonemason. <clears throat> there are not a lot of traditional stonemasons left. You know, I work with hammer and chisel. That's I carve rocks and make retaining walls, which is an ancient trade. But so much of it now is like slap and stick fake rock and cast concrete stone. What I found, though, is if you try to do that for a living, you kill your body. My dad died at 49. He was a mason, too. Mm-hmm. And so I don't. I want to have a good long life for my kids. I also... And your wife. And my wife. <laughs> <laughs> but so I found if you go make these beautiful stone walkways and patios and rock walls and all these beautiful homes around Fayetteville, mm-hmm. then I come home, I don't want to do it to my house. I don't have that energy left. I don't, I've spent all my creativity on somebody else's project. And so when I go to work at the wallpaper studio and use that creativity, me too. And then I come home, I can throw up a retaining wall in my driveway and it can be beautiful and I enjoy doing it. And so Mm -hmm. it's, I've found that if you're passionate about something, you don't always necessarily want to make that be your hot or your, your career because you can actually, destroy your own creativity you can actually lose your passion or lose your fire because sometimes people don't appreciate it you know you go i built this incredible walkway and the person was like you know i just really don't like the color of that rock you're like but it's uh (laughs) that rock came that color Uh you know i mean it's not my okay i'll change the rock color please i'll find the different color (laughs) rock you know and it's i I say that and it's not just one client there's been several or you'll get a whole pallet of rocks and i have to lay them out and be like okay i've got five white rocks 
do you guys like white rocks? Do you want white rocks in your patio? No. Okay. So those will go back on the trailer and they'll go to another job site. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like that kind of stuff drives me crazy, you know, because I think it's important to like, think about where you want to put your energy. Yeah. You know, and it's the wallpaper studio has been so awesome for Amos and I, and for, you know, everyone else that works out there has something else they're doing. Eric is a farmer. Taylor is a seamstress. Like everyone has their own thing, but we all get to come together and be a family. Like I love during lunch, we all sit at a big table and sit down and like have lunch together. And for an hour, we just talked sometimes like the other day, Heidi and I went and laid out on the grass, like during our break, you know, Mm -hmm. um, we generally but, play kickbow. Oh my god! They play kickbow. Kind of looks like you guys know what a badminton is. Uh-huh. It kind of looks like a badminton. It's four feathers, and then there's washers, weighted washers that can move up and down. It's a culture. And it's a lot like hacky sack, but <laughs> it goes thirty feet in the air, so you can you kick it and go back and forth. I think it's Chinese originally. Yeah, I mean it's really important, like when they're out there working and, and you're staring at like this one color for hours and hours at a time very closely like Heidi and Christian are very good about being like let's go outside and I want you to look at a tree that's really really far away and you get to go outside and it's like it's in Witter Arkansas so it's like in the middle of nowhere it's a huge old seed mill sometimes there's bald eagles one day we had a coyote just hanging out people are like that's such a far drive but I'm like I don't care it's 45 minutes into the country that i get to work in you know like it's it's a beautiful drive i don't my friends in la drive two hours to work in traffic and they only go like 13 miles you know (laughs) so oh man la but yeah there's there's um a lot of benefits to you know working in your passion and doing that. And if that's what you want to do, eventually that might be what I do. Maybe Heidi is constantly like, now you just tell me when you want to to make pots, we, you can, you can, you don't have to do this at all, but you know, and they didn't hire me because I'm their sister-in-law, you know, they hired me and because, um, I'm well qualified for the job because you're a freaking good artist. That's (laughs) exactly. Exactly. Well, and it's great to see, you know, that this is truly like an artist community. Like it's not a, I want to tie you down here. It's, Mm-mm. I want you to feel fulfilled. I right. want you to feel like you're doing what you should in the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they want that forever. I mean, we would love to have branch out and be able to make all kinds of things. You know, we eventually want to maybe have a kiln out there and, you know, make furniture and was- go get logs off our property and make stuff out of that. Like there's so many things that we want to do that we don't believe are out of our grasp. The whole concept of the wallpaper company was the wallpaper was supposed to be a vehicle for us to be able to make furniture, to make lamps, to make rugs. So when you walk into a room, like our concept is fine art for architecture. So if you walk into a room, not only is the couch, the coffee table, the wallpaper and the lamp it's it's all made by the same group of artists mm-hmm. it's all that's what we do and so the wallpaper has just exploded and so we haven't had time to branch out and to do the other jobs that we wanted to and i started working with them and 
working with incredibly talented, hardworking, driven people Mm -hmm. makes you do the same. And so every day we push each other. We go in there and now seven years later, I'm their production manager. You know, I'm their studio foreman and they're about to, I'm taking Christian's job and Christina's taking Heidi's job and Heidi and Christian are going to travel and do sales and like it's under our non-compete disclosure thing. So there's some stuff we can't talk about, but big things are coming. It's it's going to be expanding exponentially. And I mean, I'm not stressed out about it. I'm so excited to like, you know, the, the wallpaper in and of itself is like nearly a, a completely organic material uh, organism, I guess you could say. It's not living, but it's like a, you know, it's microbial. Bacteria can't even grow in it. So, like, you put it up, it can be up there forever, you know? Yeah. And a part of what we do and in the back of our minds constantly is we are a part of the American Renaissance movement and that we, you know, I think our generation is craving like sustenance and we want real things Mm -hmm. and we want like we we're so tired of like things made out of petroleum like why can't we just use other things that weren't made of this you know like like it's we don't want our world to die Mm -hmm. so how can we do what can we do to you know and craftsmen i'm tired of being told that my generation is looking for a handout and doesn't know how to oh work my with their gosh. hands. Like, that, that makes I'm, me so, nothing gets me boiled than like a older generation be like, well, these kids these days, well, you raise them. Yeah. As they're you sitting know? on their smartphone, looking at Facebook, uh-huh. talking <laughs> about mean, our generation. I'm like, come on, man. You you're, are you're, you, the, <laughs> the, the heart surgery that you just had that was developed by some super intelligent person that went to college. Like it, I want people to start instilling hope into our children Mm. and i say that as you know having children and being a child of people like i just i'm so tired of people being so negative about this generation like the millennials and whatever else like they're incredible and they're gonna do incredible things they're gonna save the world literally and like, mm-hmm. you know that's what you know i feel like what we do is such a teeny tiny part of that but if i can be like here here's a cup that you can have forever instead of this one that came out of you know some plastic and it's slowly killing you or whatever but um we can all just do a tiny little part and all those little parts you know come together and they make a big yeah our wallpaper is made with mostly not mostly almost all environmentally friendly products and natural materials so like marble our marble dust plaster is a byproduct of quarry quarried marble so whenever they're pulling marble out of italy the dust that's left over we mix into an acrylic medium and it turns it into marble dust plaster Hmm. um mica plaster i mean like we use as much natural material as possible Mm -hmm. and we actually just had an environmental inspection the epa guy came out and 
we were like, we were all sweating it. We're like, oh man, here comes the EPA guy. To get the posters oh, up. Oh, you know, all right, let's see. And he comes stuff. in and he's like, he's like, all right, let me see your chemical cabinet. And he's like, and we're like, so should we have like the red sticker and the yellow sticker to like, you know, what, what do we need to do? And he was like, you guys don't have anything in your cabinets that's more harmful than most people have under their kitchen sinks. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so we spent weeks like sweating this like inspection and it comes back and he's like, you guys are totally fine. You yeah. Know? There's also <laughs> a amazing. rain catchment system. So all mm. the water that's used is rainwater. So that's freaking incredible. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And you know, we just want to keep feeding that beast, you know, we want to encourage people to do the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned uh, you mentioned old people getting down on future generations. Mm-hmm. And you uh, you talked about your little post millennial doing cool stuff oh in gosh. Fayetteville. Yep. You want to talk is, about that a little she bit? She is she is the bravest human I I've known because she's very shy uh, initially, and uh, but she's got a heart of gold. And Erilyn. We've been learning a lot about our uh, Native American roots, and we hail from the Abenaki people in Maine, and which is not necessarily uh, an intact tribe anymore because they just got decimated. And um, yeah, well, I've just been teaching her about what had happened in the plight of these people, uh, specifically, and we can trace. Uh, our uh, lineage back to a man named Piel, and he was the chief. And there's a woman doing research in Maine on his son, Metallic, who's my fifth great-grandfather, and it's called the Metallic DNA Project because he was so amazing. There's, like, a plaque for him in New Hampshire, and he lived to be 120, and he, like, rode a moose, and he was, like, a hunter and trapper. (laughs) What? Super cool. Okay. See, yeah. It's, like, just incredible. There's, like, a metallic lake and a metallic pond, and then he had a daughter, and then she had a daughter, and she had a daughter, and all of those women were, like, labeled. They were Indian doctresses, and they, like, the Leonetto was the one that inspired me the most who, like... She got her doctor. She got her doctorate. She became a doctor. She owned land. She was a Native American woman in New York. Like, she just did all of this stuff, and despite the odds, and she healed people with her own medicines that she made. And unfortunately, when she died, she had them all burned. <laughs> so I don't know what they were. <laughs> I keep like trying to conjure her like we were talking about oh, seances yeah. earlier. And I'm just like, let's do one. Let's call her here. I want to ask her how she made her stuff. And Patrick Swayze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got two empty chairs. Yeah, yeah come, come on. <laughs> come so on, guys. I'm just like, Erlen, like, this is so cool. And I think a part of me was just like, I needed to quit like trying to talk to her about this because it's totally going over her head but she came home about a month ago and she was like i want to start a petition and i want the name changed at ramey junior high because it's the ramey indians and i mean that in and of itself is pretty derogatory and she's like it's we're not a racist school we're very diverse and everyone loves everyone why are we called the indians tell them the the slogan that she came up with Oh, she said race is not a mascot. Mm. And that was like her thing. I got chills, y'all. At (laughs) at 14, that was her slogan. Race is not a mascot. Yeah. Uh. 
I mean, in uh, like at first I was like, did you hear that somewhere? And she's like, no, but it just makes sense to me. She's a very practical person. I think I kind of taught her that a little bit, but um, I was like, okay, let's do this. She took the petition to school and like there were quite a few people that supported her. Um, but there are some people that were just like, no, no, you know, this honors Native Americans. And so what we were doing was, you know, I'd ask her why she thought that it was an, why she thought that these people thought this way. And she's like, I don't know. And I was like, well, let's start asking questions and let's see. And I don't know if you guys know about the improved, um, Redman, the order of the improved Order no. of the Improved Red Men. Uh, well, it is... It's disgusting. <laughs> Google it. And it's just basically like a fraternity of Native American appropriation. Mm-hmm. And it is... It, it just broke my heart the more I learned about it. And I'd heard about it before and like, you know, it's it's a pretty common area for people to discuss like how messed up it is to have, you know, like the Redskins mascot. There's no black skins mascot or white skins mascot. It's a derogatory, terrible term. So Erilyn was like, okay, um, there were people really mad at me and I don't know how to take this. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm sorry, but it's going to come with it. And you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. And I've like perpetually told her she didn't have to do this because as a mom, I want her protected and I never want her to feel any kind of negativity ever. And I'm like, please don't be mean to my daughter. Mm -hmm. Don't call her stupid. Don't tell her what she's doing is stupid. And Erlen is also Cherokee on her dad's side. So, you know, she's like feeling all this stuff and she's just like, no, I'm going to keep doing it. Who do I want to be the hero to, you know, to these kids that like are on a football team and are upset because they might have to change their, their jerseys or like this child that doesn't even want to go to school at Ramey because it's the Indians and he's Cherokee. Like, or the, you know, we also have incredible members of our community that are actually from India that are <laughs> yeah. actually Indian mm-hmm. yeah. and they go to school there and it's like, but we're, we're Indian. You guys aren't. Yeah, you know, the principal had called her in and she it was completely unexpected. She was going to go in with a couple of friends and her petition. And she came up with like 15 questions like, why are we the Indians? Who are we honoring? Do you know what this is? Do you have you asked any Native American student how they feel about it? Like and she also thought of why if it is the indian why is it only portrayed a male indian like is that because they're more powerful or how how do you want to hum this i mean there are a million reasons why this is wrong and erilyn can tit for tat for with people all day long adults i mean she i have talked to some of her teachers and they're just like she will argue with anyone in school about any subject she's passionate with and about and she will get the last word and not be rude or um unbecoming like she's very articulate and thoughtful and kind but she's just like no we're gonna be nice and we're gonna respect people Mm -hmm. and i'm like you could be an attorney and she's like no 
I don't want to be that. <laughs> I want to be a stonemason. No, she wants to be an interior designer. And she... she's going to be fine. <laughs> it's fine. We know some people. Yeah. I, that was one of the things I was like, well, if you want to do that, that's fine. Like, she can be whatever she wants as long as she's happy. I don't care. Same with Uriah. He wants to be a chef and he loves food and it's awesome. But yeah, he cooks breakfast on the yeah. weekends. He's like, can I make breakfast? I'm like, oh... I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, if you clean the kitchen, I guess. And then he cleans the kitchen and makes breakfast. It's amazing. What a blessing yeah. of a child. Yeah. yeah. I mean, don't tell him we duped him a little. Yeah. Yeah. He just loves it. And we just really want to encourage him in that. Um, but Erlen did meet with the principal, and he said that they are not locked into the mascot and that they do understand some people don't and they're like oh it's honoring but even if it it, it's not it's just not like we and if we're going to be a progressive city that is like you know standing at the forefront of like um, movements in the south especially like this is something we can't be beholden to and the other mascot at the other junior high here are the Cowboys. So every time, and the Cowboys, you know, have, they hail from a different side of town and, you know, their uniforms are much nicer than ours and our little, little ragamuffins are like, you know, their socks aren't even and they don't match. But like, it's the Cowboys and the Indians. And if you're Native American, you have to go sit at this game and be like, I remember what that meant for my family and the like oh yeah the cowboys and the indians when they fought that was fun that was that was a great good time everyone had a great time good time good times times. yeah oh man it's like thanksgiving (laughs) yeah it's a great time so great i know i know so i mean she's she's kind of like spearheading that i guess she's not doing it for any kind of accolade she didn't even think it'd be a big deal she honestly thought and this is why she's lady golden heart she thought that she would walk into school and just be like we're changing the mascot and they were like okay you know but <laughs> she's like guys this needs like it why hasn't it changed yet yeah uh-huh. she's like this is ridiculous right uh-huh. oh wait oh okay so she's gonna go meet with um some students on campus the native american student association and and maybe obtain more information there and those kids are brilliant so they're gonna help her and i'm so excited Uh, being a mother is like a perpetual letting go process and like you have this baby and they're a baby and then they go and then they're walking away from you and then they're running and you're literally chasing this person around and that's just the rest of your life with this other human and you know i've been sad and sometimes i'm like i miss him being babies but it is so incredible to see how they're turning out (laughs) it's fun like you get to see them as kids and then last weekend we actually had them out in the country and we were Letting Erilyn drive my truck around the the field yeah. in one of the pastures. So, where can listeners go if there is a way for them to support what Erilyn's doing? Is there a way for them to support her and her act- activism? And there's an online petition. Yeah, there's an online petition. Um, but I think 
the sentiment leaving the principal's office was like, oh, well, this might be a little easier than we thought. Right now, we just need people to start discussing okay, yeah. why this is wrong. And we're going to go uh, in front of the school board and um, talk to them. You know, you get five minutes to make this discussion. I might need to submit my name more than that. But, mm. um, you know, I think right now it just needs to be an open forum. And people you know, think that it's it's an honoring, but it's not. And I think a problem with colonialism has been that um, Anglo-Saxon people coming from Europe take away these cultures and then get to decide how they, how the people that they stole the culture from get to reobtain that culture and how it's represented. And, you know, you don't get to decide what is honoring someone and you don't get to take someone's regalia and be like, this is, yeah, this kind of looks like an Indian. And this is the sound that they make when they, yeah, they do the, yeah. that's one of their chants. Erilyn shut so. that down at a game. Like she's no, like, and it's not, not a lot of the people do that anymore. And the kids are so awesome for the most part. Like some are just like, well, it's just like, I want to keep my Jersey, but for the most part, they're like, yeah, that's messed up. I have so much hope in this generation. Mm. I mean, I watched that Emma Gonzalez video so many times, and I'm like, keep that fire. Like, that's the, the thing that's going to, you know, change things for the better in this country. And all those kids are going to be able to vote. So And, and being able to have <laughs> real conversations. Like, uh, for the last since Christina's been working full time out at the wallpaper studio, I've actually been taking Erin to school a lot. So I get one on one time with her. Right. And since this has been going on, <clears throat> she's had a lot of days that she struggled with. She's like, you know, she'll, she'll be on her way to school like and she's crying. like, I'm scared. Yeah. And we're, we'll be talking about like, she's like, well, but people are just like, I, it's not offensive to me. And she's like, she has a friend that is 50% native American. She's like, well, I don't find that offensive. And then I can have a very real conversation with her and be like, my family were Dutch. We came here in the 1600s and we settled what is now the five bureaus in New York, like Flatbush. Um, we were slavers. And so like to be able to tell her that, like, I am 100% European. I know that my ancestors were slavers. I know that my family had something to do with that. So as somebody that came to this country as an immigrant, that has dark roots in history, I can find that offensive. If mm -hmm. I can find that offensive and I'm on your team, then you know that then, then we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. You know, and being able to have those real conversations, like that's not something I'm proud of. That's not something that I'm gonna, well, I guess now I'm openly admitting it to a, a, a large group of people, but a very large group of <laughs> listeners who are definitely listening. So, you know, but I mean, that's that's, being real with your kids and having that real conversation, uh -huh. and, you know, and it's like, I think it's important. Mm -hmm. So kind of sh shifting gears time kind of to conclude us. Zach has been doing Ozark superstitions on our podcast recently. So Zach, <gasps> Oh my God. Would you and Amos like to discuss this real fast? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, I was talking with Amos back at Caddy Wampus, the winter show, um, around the time that I was developing this idea for this Ozark superstition 
section of the show. And uh, I was talking to Amos about it. And Amos asked me if I'd ever heard of spirits living in chimneys. Right. So, Amos, do you want to go ahead and talk about that? Exactly what you're talking about? If you've ever been driving around and you see a random chimney in the middle of nowhere that's still standing, or there's a chimney like 20 feet from a house, and you're like, why would they not tear that chimney down? It's because that's the lore, the superstition here is if a house burns down or if you tear a house down, you leave the chimney up because if the spirits dwell, they'll dwell in the chimney, and that's where they live. And so there's actually a few. There's one famous one that's got... uh, two hands shaking on a hearth like shaking hands uh-huh. carved into the stone and i don't know exactly where that's at but that's a pretty famous one and like kids teenagers used to go there at night and like listen for the ghost sounds and mm-hmm. um, so i always thought that was a pretty cool one of the pretty cool ones yeah that's we were walking around in the woods recently no no nah, that was like a year ago what is time <laughs> but <laughs> we that i i didn't know that like, that's something you never told me. Yeah. I, like, it's, like an onion. For me, it's, for me, it's common <laughs> so knowledge. You know, that's a, <laughs> But I, there's like, well, we were, we came upon this. Nah, he discovered it, of course. But like, he showed me this old, old, like, stacked chimney that the one out by the crystal cave. Oh, yeah. Like that's still there, but it, it toppled over. So the where are those spirits now? There's no remnants of the house, the house. at all. Yeah. But there's still the the fireplace, mm-hmm. and I don't. I've actually reached out to the genealogical society of Madison County because mm-hmm. one of my other jobs that I have is I caretake 1,300 acres um, in Madison County. He's also a trained paramedic. Yeah. <laughs> so For real. When we were out there, we found this place that we were like, oh, this is a really cool campsite. And the other guy that caretakes the land with me found it. And he's like, you have to come check this out. And we go over there. And there's like 35 piles of rocks. And they look to me like graves. Uh-huh. They look like old Irish cairns. Or cairns, I don't know how you say that yeah. word. But <clears throat> they're stacked. And they're all random, different sizes. Are we talking vertically stacked or piles? Piles, or? kind of piles. Okay. Not made by the same person. And I can say that with confidence being a mason that you can kind of pick out rock styles or, um, you know, like stylistic options that people might use. Mm -hmm. And I don't think if they were all made at the same time, they were made hurriedly. And there's some piles that are twice as big as the others, which could maybe be two people. Um, Band of renegades. It could be Civil War history. I don't know. A long rock wall. A long rock wall that goes along the creek, and so we followed it up, and then we came to this chimney that's just out in the middle of nowhere, and there's no record of whose homestead it was. I know all the people on the mountain going back to like the late 1800s, and so (laughs) I don't. It's it's crazy. So that's one of those spots that I've been super curious about. We'll go find the spirits and let you know. We have a cool spot that is a hand-dug well, hand-dug dry-stacked well. It's about six feet across. And the lore for that area is that there was a Union soldier on his way home. And they grabbed him and they hung him on the porch of this house that the well belongs to. Hmm. And the two people that lived in this house, one night in the middle of the night, they saw a ghost 
got up. The wife made the husband carry his mattress on her back, on his back, down the road to the neighbor's house, and they never went back to the house. And what? it went into disarray. The well is the only thing that's still there. I have chills again. It gave me chills. It gives me chills. It was one of those spots like you ride your bicycle by and you're like super fast. Uh-huh. Like, oh, no, I'm out of here. I'm yeah. gone. So. Oh, man. Um, but that's man. a pretty cool spot. Or man. scary. Scary, yeah, for sure. <laughs> we I should mean, camp there. Yeah. Just kidding. And just once kidding. again, to have a seance and yeah. summon yeah. some spirits. He's a union soldier. He's probably pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. Well, thanks for sharing that with yeah, us. Of uh, yeah, you've, uh, in that one conversation, have inspired like a, another set of like dominoes to fall. Yeah, to I think there's a VHS show. called Tales of the Ozarks. <laughs> VHS. Yeah. <laughs> for anybody Maybe who somebody has put it onto another format. Okay. But uh, I highly recommend that. Also, okay. there's that Pissing in the Snow. Pissing in the Snow. Book. I have no idea. It's a good, it's a good yeah. Lori tales of the area pissing in the snow yeah for anybody it's like two (laughs) farmers and they're talking about their kids and like it's a son and a daughter and like the son keeps sneaking over to see the daughter and the dad's like super mad he's talking to his buddy and he's like i don't want your son coming around my house anymore he's like why not it's like his name was written out in the snow in front of my house and she he's like well what's the big deal and he's like i know my daughter's handwriting (laughs) (laughs) It's a great book. Yeah. Cool beans. We, uh, we're using Vance Randolph's Ozark Superstitions uh, is what we use for our show. Anyway. Awesome. Yeah. That's what we've been. That's what I've been reading recently, lately. Reading to me. Reading to you. <laughs> reading, As I go to sleep. Reading yeah. in my car uh-huh. on my way to I read here. to Amos in the car. Yeah, on the way to work. Yeah. No, Zach just comes back and tells me the stories and I react to them. In real time, with a microphone in front of my face. Today's one was going to be about water witches, people who use uh, peach we, sticks to dig wells. We water witched uh, just like a couple weeks ago. We were trying to find our yeah, water wigglers. Yeah, That's what we call it. We were trying to find our septic tank, and so we took our little witching sticks out and tried to find the line. And, but we're on like five springs. Only, so we, only a few people have the gift, yeah. I've heard. Mm. Joy I'm, Russell. I've heard. Joy Russell's incredible. She is in charge of the Madison County Genealogical Society on Facebook. And if you're going to drill a well in Madison County, you call Joy Russell and she'll come out and witch your property. That's so cool that we still have that. And she yeah. is. I freaking love that. There's no guarantee and she does it for free. But it's well, if you, it's one if of you those charge things. for it, you lose your power. That's yeah. like the part of it. Yeah, there was an old man named Nicodemus that lived on the mountain that I grew up on. He's definitely a you just and opened a door. You could, he would buy he your warts. He lived on a mountain called Slow Tom. <laughs> he would buy your warts from you. If you had warts, he would give you a nickel, and then he would, oh my god, and then your warts would go away. That's so cool. Yeah, and Nicodemus, Wait. what a cool name. Yeah, for <laughs> sure, for sure. The wart taker. <laughs> Okay, we have to stop this at some point. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'm going to pull the plug on recording. We don't have to stop talking. Okay. Um, but Christina, Amos, thank you so much for talking yeah, to thank us. Thank you yeah, for if having you, us. If you want to look at my work on a very not updated website, you can go to Christina, com. And if you want to check out our wallpaper or have any inquiries about it, you can go to assembledarts.com. Um, 
follow us on Instagram. Yeah, we're on Instagram uh, under Assembled Arts. And uh, if you want to help Erilyn, just talk about cultural appropriation and the potential of Raimi needing some money for new um, uniforms. Uniforms. And uh, yeah, yeah. And don't think that just because like the wallpaper is expensive that we can't work with people because yeah. the thing is is like we want work in arkansas but we can't find any mm, <laughs> well yeah. i mean it's just we not can value engineer yeah anything. we can we can really work with a lot of people's budgets so you know don't be afraid to reach out if it's something that you're wanting and um yeah yeah just let us know thank you for having perfect yeah it's it's been been awesome it has been so much fun (laughs) i've loved this conversation so much yeah so thank you all